good morning. If you guys will stand and worship with us. for being here so much. Um, happy Father's Day to all you dads. Uh, thank you for the investment that you're making in the next generation. Uh, we're so thankful for you and uh, for what you've done, and uh, we're thankful for all of our dads. If it's your first time worshiping with us, um, and we actually have a gift that we would love to give you today. In the back of the seat in front of you is a card. Uh, if you'll fill out with as much information as you feel comfortable with, stop by Next Steps, the two desks out in the lobby, and they'll hook you up with your very own Lindsay Lane East T-shirt. Uh, one for the whole family, or not one for the whole family, one for every member of your family. Um, it's going to be a really big one. You can just all squeeze in. Anyway, um, but you can drop that by, and they'll actually give you uh, some information about our church and the Lindsay Lanny's T-shirt. Uh, we're so thankful to have you. Uh, we're going to have a quick video after I pray uh, just for you dads because we did it for our moms. Um, maybe we're less sentimental dads, but anyway, we're going to do a video for us too, okay? So I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we'll continue. Uh, we'll watch the video continue in worship. Father, we thank you uh, that, God, you've allowed us all uh, the opportunity to come and to worship. And, God, I'm so thankful uh, for a great 9 o'clock service this morning. 
Um, God, as your spirit was evident among us, God, and I pray the same thing among uh, us here at the 1045. And uh, God, I pray uh, for those that will watch this online in the future, God, that you'd speak through uh, the message, speak through the music, and uh, God, let your spirit change hearts today. Uh, thank you, God, for, for my father and for the investment he made in me. I pray, God, that I can be a, uh, be a father to my children um, in the way that he has for me and I can, can model Christ for them uh, every day. And so, Father, we pray as we always do that you'd teach us to know you and that today you would be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all check out this video.
thank you for this day. Uh, I thank you for all your many blessings and yet another opportunity to gather together and to be the body of Christ and to worship you and to learn more about you, Lord. And um, with today being what it is, Lord, um, I want to say happy Father's Day and thank you for being such a good, good father. It's more than just a song. Um, as I was saying in the first service, there's several different love languages, different dialects, but one of those is gift giving. And I want to pause and reflect and, and thank you for the gift that you gave us on the day where we're supposed to be giving gifts to our Father. Quite the contrary, you gave us the greatest gift of all time. So thank you for your Son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Um, thank you for his life, for his ministry. Thank you for the wounds that were supposed to be mine that he bore. Thank you for the crown that we deserve that he willingly took on. And thank you for the cross by which we're saved, Lord. Lord, today as we... Uh, as we prepare our hearts for your message, Lord, I pray that you would hide Heath behind the cross, Lord, and anoint his lips, and I pray that the, the message he delivers would be 100% spirit-inspired. Um, I pray that you would stir in this place today. I pray that you would stir in our hearts, plant seeds, and I pray that whatever we hear, we would take with us this week. And uh, I pray that your love would be contagious through us, Lord. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Glad to see you guys this morning. Uh, man, so so thankful to have a worship team. Uh, that that was just ready and prepared this morning. Uh, Patrick and his family are away for a little bit this week, and so uh, for him to be out of town and then for our worship team to just step up and lead, thank you to Morgan uh, for kind of taking the leadership on that and organizing everything and being ready and prepared. Um, she did have a injury this week um, because uh, we're it's church softball league time, and so uh, Morgan had a knee blowout. Diving for a ball over the fence, I think, is exactly what happened. That's the story we're telling. Um, but anyway, uh, but there was an injury, and so that's why she was seated down, seating down, seated, seat, seated, uh, doing worship. And uh, but anyway, so thankful for this team and for uh, for for the worship, uh, the way that they led us this morning in worship. So this morning, uh, we're, we're rolling into week three of this series. We're calling. Uh, summer school, just to look at some basic uh, truths that you and I, um, if we're going to follow Christ closely, we need to understand these things. And so today, we're, last week we looked at, uh, Patrick led us through uh, what sin looks like and why it's important to understand that. And today we're looking at what does it mean to be saved? Like what are we saved from? What are we saved for? Uh, we talk about salvation. We talk about being saved. We look at a lot of these things. And so this morning I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But um, Ephesians chapter 2, go ahead and turn there in your Bible or click there on your tablet or phone. Uh, we'll get there in just a moment. But uh, one thing that we're going to see that Paul does in the book of Ephesians right here is uh, he not only tells you uh, what salvation is, um, an integral part of understanding the goodness of the things that come to us in salvation is understanding what we earned apart from that and what sin does to our hearts. And so we're going to look at that here in a second. But um, to, to help you understand why I think that's a big deal, uh, I coached six, seven, and eight-year-old girls this year in softball, uh, which is why I needed your prayers so much um, over the spring, uh, six, seven, eight-year-old girls. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we kind of made a run at the end like, to the county tournament. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And I wasn't the head coach. Uh, just as a third assistant coach, but uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, again, try, kind of trying to make that run. If you had watched us play in the county tournament, you would have seen uh, a pretty good group of girls that did some real, like, like some talented girls out there on the team and worked hard. You could tell. You could see it. 
And you would have thought, man, I bet you're proud of those girls. But if you had been at our first practice, two, if you'd seen the end, the county tournament, and seen our first practice, you would know that it was a miracle of God that we made it as far as we did. You know, because like we, we had a few girls who had played a lot of softball. But most of the girls on our team, at best, played for a half a year last year during the COVID mess, which created a really small season. And then we had a few girls who had never even held a softball bat in their hands. And so for us to see what we saw happen, it was really, really cool. It was a beautiful thing to go as far as we did in the county tournament. But what made it so much sweeter was knowing where we had been. What we're going to see in the text today is that's exactly what Paul does. Paul doesn't just say, here's how good salvation is. Paul says, here's how good salvation is. And let me tell you about the opposite of that, which is what our sin causes in our life. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you'll hang in there with me, we're going we're gonna to have some fun today. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 uh, just out loud. I'm going to pray, and then we'll come back and start kind of looking at this together. All right? So beginning in verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and faults. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. This is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Let me say a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word, uh, which God, I believe uh, to be absolutely 100% true. And so today, I pray that the truths in the passage that we just looked at, God, uh, would become evident in our hearts. And uh, God, we'd understand exactly what it is uh, to be saved by you. Uh, Father, I pray uh, that you would uh, help us to understand who you are and who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Patrick talked last week about some of the context of the whole book of Ephesians. So just a quick quiz, which uh, First Service did really well. Just two questions. Who wrote the book of Ephesians? Paul, thank you. Uh, I've already said that twice in my message, so if you didn't say it, uh, you're not paying attention. All right. It was also written to real people. Who was it written to? Church at Ephesus, right? A city, a city called Ephesus, which uh, Patrick told you last week was just like a, just an awful place. So you think there's some cities in America that are just full of sin. Ephesus was, it would be the worst of those if it were still around. And so, uh, but there was a church, a vibrant church that was growing um, in the first century there. And Paul wrote this letter to them. And so Paul is speaking to the Christians who are gathering together in homes in Ephesus. And so Paul does two things really well for these believers. He compares what they were by nature to what they are now by grace. These verses are by my estimation, um, which doesn't hold a lot of water, but uh, these I believe these verses are some of the most beautiful in the scriptures. Um, I believe these ten verses just... Uh, if I were on a desert island somewhere and I could only have 10 verses from the Bible, give me Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and I'm good. Uh, I just I think they're that beautiful. And so I hope you see the beauty in them today as well. I've studied these. I've preached on them in more than 13 years of ministry. But I've never seen the blatant symmetry that I'm going to show you today. Um, I have a pastor and a well-known pastor for a long, long time this week to thank for that. In my study, and I read a sermon by John Piper. Um, everybody's got it. If you know John Piper, you probably have an opinion on him. But um, I don't agree with him on every part of his theology. But Piper helped me see in this sermon that Paul is making a very distinct declaration about our salvation in light of our former hopelessness. And the whole thing hinges on verse 4. Uh, let me show it to you. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he has for us, that's the fulcrum. That's the turning point, the tip of the spear that flips everything for us. And so Piper helped me see a symmetry that verse 1 is connected to verse 5, verse 2 is connected to verse 6, and verse 3 is connected to verse 7. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Okay? 
it's where we're going to go. I had to give credit to, to John Piper because, um, I don't know, I don't want to be sued. I don't know if you could get sued over that. But uh, there are some th- some wording of the main points today that are not necessarily my own, my own. I borrowed some things from him. So credit where credit is due. Amen. All right, here we go. Point number one is this. God brought life where there was only death. So if you look back in, in verse 1, I just read it. Paul reminds his readers that apart from the work of God in us, we are dead in our sin. It does not say sick in our sin. It says uh, dead in our sin. There's not a, a faint spiritual heartbeat going on in us that might allow you to do some good. The Bible says that you are completely hopeless when it comes to pleasing God. However, verse 4. So when we, let's, let's do this together. Look at verse 1. Um, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Skip down to verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture. Part of our salvation, when if you're, if you're a Christian in the room, part of your salvation is a newness of life that comes from God. You, may, you didn't know you were dead before you accepted Jesus. But like looking back on my life, I was saved at a young age. But I look back and realize if I had lived a life without Christ from seven years on, I would have been totally hopeless and helpless and, and I had no purpose and meaning. I was dead in my sin, but at for me at a young age, God brought salvation to me and he brought a newness of life that comes from God. Our spiritually dead bodies are made alive by the power of God in Christ Jesus. Um, one of the, we're having a big baptism service next Sunday, so like move heaven and earth to get here next Sunday because we're going to be baptizing. I haven't heard the final count. There were some more conversations going on today, but we're nearing up to 10 people. We're going to be baptizing next Sunday. Um, and you'll hear some more about that at the end. We'll talk about that. But uh, one of those is my daughter. And so she's seven years old. And I can't talk about her without crying. But I'll get through it because it's a funny story I want to tell you. Um <laughs> So I was talking with her, and uh, and uh, so this was Wednesday night of VBS. We came home and we talked because she had told me she wanted to talk. And uh, so I was I was helping her understand this point right here that that before Christ, our our hearts are broken, totally broken, and dead. And I'm speaking to her as if I was if I'm preaching this right now, and I see her, you know, her eyes. She started zoning in. And uh, so I got to the end. I said, do you understand that, baby? And she said, so since I haven't trusted in Jesus yet, you're saying my heart's dead? And I was like, yeah, that's what the Bible says, baby. She was like, okay. But it would be alive if I trusted in Jesus. I said, yes. Okay. So I, we got it, right? She understood this is what I thought was the deep Well, then later on the next day, we end up, I share with her, and the next morning she gets up and she says she's ready. So she trusts in Jesus on Thursday morning, um, two weeks ago, I guess. And so then I hear her preaching to her, her five-year-old son, her brother, and uh, her five-year-old brother. And uh, she's telling him that his heart is dead and that it needs to be made alive. And uh, anyway, in that moment, he was going, you know, like, so I understood. A seven-year-old can understand your heart is dead. Maybe a five-year-old can't, but... Um, but she needed to, maybe she didn't need to, maybe the terminology wasn't as important for her, but she needed to understand, right? That apart from Christ, you and I are spiritually dead and we bring nothing to the table, but God, right? But God, who is rich in mercy has made us alive together with Christ. If you experience any joy in life, it comes from Christ, not from yourself. If you feel alive today because of Christ, it is God in us and nothing that you can do. Sin has killed us spiritually, but God acts on our behalf and makes us alive in Christ. That's not all salvation is. Point number two is this. God brought freedom where there was only bondage. 
And I'm going to say this because some of y'all, when I read it, if you were paying attention, uh, Paul describes sin in a way that it's pretty intense and you may not think about it this way. Uh, I, I was uncomfortable with it when I thought about it. But saying I'm dead is one thing. But listen to what he says in verse 2. He said, you previously walked according to the ways of this world. Okay? If you're a Christian in the room, you look back on your life and you say, absolutely. Man, I was doing whatever, either you were doing what everybody else was doing or you were trying to do your own thing which was still the way of the world. Well, I, th- I think we all recognize that we were walking according to the way of the world, but Paul doesn't stop there. <laughs> he says, not only are you walking according to the ways of this world, you were also walking according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. So who is the ruler of the power of the air? It's the coolest name for Satan. Like, I'll just be honest with you. Like, if I was going to worship Satan, that's what I would call him. Like that's got a cool ring to it. That's who, that's who Paul is talking about here. He says that you previously walked according to the ruler of the power of the air. It's the same person that Paul calls later the evil one, who in, in two other places, in the book of Ephesians, calls him the devil. This is Satan. Paul says that before coming to Christ, every human being follows the directions of the prince of the power of the air. Satan himself, listen to me. He is a ruler. He is a prince. And his kingdom is an absolute monarchy. You don't have a say in it. He is on the throne. He calls the shots. And we obey because we are dead in sin. Now, I just got a, a question that I wrestled with this week. Like, is that how you see your sin? Have you ever thought about that? When you, when you were sinning before Christ, did you think you were walking, you were following the commands of Satan? I didn't. Can I just be honest with you? Like, I didn't view it that way. When you sinned, this is what it was, though. And Paul, if you didn't view it that way, that's fine up to this point. But Paul says we've got to begin to change the way we view our sin. Before you were saved by God, listen to me, you were not an okay guy or girl. You were walking according to the direction of a different ruler other than God. You were a member of a different kingdom. There was a throne in your heart, and God wasn't on it. Listen, and you weren't on it. Satan was on it. He sat on the throne of your heart, and you followed his lead. This is the seriousness of sin, church. Human beings are naturally, instinctively in bondage to sin. If you're here today and you've not trusted in Jesus yet in your life, the Bible makes it clear that you're not a morally neutral creature. You're not. You don't get to choose each day who you will follow. That decision is made for you every day, instinctively, without fail. And it will continue that way forever. Listen, but God Amen. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 2.2. 2. You previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in disobedient. Let's get to verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us. Let's get to verse 6. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. See the change of space. In verse uh, 2. We're living here on earth according to the ruler of the power of the air. What does, what, in what way does Paul describe salvation in verse 6? He says there's a change of space for us. We are no longer spiritually here on earth. We're, uh, though here on earth we're walking around every day in the domain of darkness ruled by Satan himself, but God raises us up in Christ. He raises us up to a place that he, he calls to the heavens, right? Where is it? He sees us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. God has made our hearts alive, but here he says he has raised us up. We are seated with Christ and in Christ in heaven. And I'm not crazy, okay? I see you sitting in front of me. You're like, Keith, I'm not in heaven. I'm at Lindsay Lane East. I get it. But Paul is making it clear that in your salvation, this is so important. If you struggle with assurance of your salvation, and all, you need to hear this right now. Though you are physically seated here in a real spiritual sense, 
you are already seated at the right hand of God with Christ in heaven and will be there forever. And like, there's no changing that. If you have trusted in Jesus, you are already there. No matter what, no matter where you sit, no matter what, uh, how many sins you commit, you are already seated in heaven and secure. And you need to recognize that. Some of you need to hear that. I have so many times in my life I needed to know that I am part of his kingdom. That's, that's what's going on here. He's raised us up and seated us with him in the heavens. This is, this is a change of domain, a change of kingdom that's going on from verse 2 to verse 6. Paul says that here on earth, Satan is the ruler that humans give into and follow without question. We are in the domain of his reign, but in salvation, God raises us up out of this domain and into a new and a heavenly one where there's a different king. Amen. And we can now follow his reign, his lead. We are part of his kingdom now. Part of his kingdom. Paul says that where there once was bondage to an evil ruler, (laughs) there is now freedom to follow a different king. Upon your salvation, there came a spiritual freedom that the rest of the world does not get to taste unless they trust in Christ as well. You can now choose to follow God. It's a beautiful thing. The last thing. uh, God brought kindness where there was only wrath. And this one's tough too. Verse 3. He says, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. So Paul's already said we were marching according to Satan's drum, but here he says we just stink. Like, you're just evil. That's what Paul says. He says your desires are evil, your thoughts were evil, And those two things, because your desires and your thoughts are evil, it also caused you to carry out evil actions. But then he said, what did it earn us? Look at what he says. What are we called because we are like this? He says, we were by nature children under wrath. Now, I don't use the word wrath a lot in my life. Um, I heard it a lot as a child, I think, from my mom. (laughs) trying to threaten me to do right. I think maybe she used wrath some uh, as, a, as a word, but you're probably not familiar with it. But it's, it's a, in, in the original language, the Greek, it's, it's a word that means anger. In fact, 36 times when that word is used in the New Testament, it's actually translated as anger and not the English word wrath. But there's several times where they're used together alongside each other. This is uh, Ephesians 4.31 from the same book that we're studying right here, Ephesians. Paul says this, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you. Paul's trying to bring it a point that anger and wrath, uh, almost the same thing, but just intense. But what you see is when you start looking at all the times that where wrath is used in the New Testament, it's not used as a reference most often to man's anger, actually to God's. Uh, wrath actually speaks more of God's anger. Wrath is the anger that God has with sin. It encompasses the way in which he deals with sin. The Bible says not only does God hate sin, he deals with sin because he's a just God. He's a good judge. And he's going to deal with sin. The Bible speaks of a day coming, a day of God's wrath, the day of the Lord. Um, and what does that wrath look like? Uh, the, the Bible speaks that this is a moment in which the separation that's experienced here on earth becomes permanent. Man is separated forever from God because of their sin unless they've trusted in Christ. And this is the heaviness of your sin. The good God who created you hates sin. And when you sin, it brings on the wrath of God to you. You deserve to be separated from a holy God. Which is another thing that's tough to look your seven-year-old daughter in the eyes and say, Maybe you deserve to be separated from a holy God because of your sin. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love that he has for us. Right? Verse 4 comes in where verse 3 talks about all that we deserve and we deserve this wrath 
Verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy. right? He loved us. And because of that love, verse 7, in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For, for those who are in Christ, it is not an eternal wrath or godly anger that awaits us. It is the kindness of an all-powerful God in Christ Jesus. Where we could only find wrath, God offers his kindness to us. And that's where you should insert at least a smile, if not a shout. Like, that's big. First service didn't shout either, though. It's okay. We're going to get there. This verse should make us smile. The outcome, listen to this. I, I, maybe the church I grew up in was more this way. But like the prevailing uh, push towards salvation was so that you didn't have to go to hell. Okay, which, you know, it's a good bargaining chip, right? Like read about hell, it ain't good, right? But like, but what, what I understand now in Christ is that there is something that is offered that is so much greater than avoiding hell. There is something offered here that we're seeing in the text that is beautiful. The outcome of your salvation is not just an avoiding of wrath. It's that God uses the rest of eternity to display the immeasurable riches of his grace in Christ Jesus through kindness to you. And I don't even know what it means. Like, I don't even know what that looks like. But it sounds good. <laughs> like, there's big words in there that are important, immeasurable. Right? Grace, kindness, riches. Like those are things that appeal to this and then fire me up because I have trusted in Jesus. I know that there is a day coming, then yes, I'm going to avoid the wrath of hell and separation from God for all of eternity. But I'm not pumped about that. I'm pumped about what that looks like. like I get to heaven, hey. Jump to Ephesians 2, 7. Let's go, baby. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see what this kindness looks like for the rest of eternity. So what we've seen is a beautiful progression here. Paul says that you and I are dead in our trespasses and sins, but God makes us alive. He says that you and I are enslaved to Satan, the ruler of the power of the air here on earth, but God gives us freedom to obey a new king. Paul also, he winds it up with saying that you and I are deserving of nothing but God's wrath. Separation. But God offers in Christ his kindness instead. Y'all, I don't understand it all. But what Paul is saying is that in Christ, all that our sin, ha that all, all that our sin messed up, he going to make right. He's going to make it all right. Everything that sin messed up, all the effects of sin are undone in Christ. And you may ask, why? Why would a perfect, holy God offer to a bunch of boneheaded humans such a gift? Because if you understand who God is, if you understand his knowledge, just for a second, the knowledge of God is not like you and I knowledge. Right now, I don't know how my kids are going to act when I get home. What? We're going to the trash man's game. Oh, Lord be with us. I don't know how my children are going to act at the Trash Pandas game. I was going to say, Bob, I got a good idea how they're going to act, and it's probably going to make me lose my witness in front of our whole church. That's probably what's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to act, but God does, right? God knows everything. All He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, whichever way that's supposed to go. Like He knows all things. And so when he saved me, he knew that I wasn't going to live perfect. He knew that I was going to stink as a dad, as a husband sometimes. He knew all that. Yet he still offered to me the gift of salvation. And here's why. Well, I've read it six times, I think, now the end of chapter of, of verse 4 chapter 2 verse 4 but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us it is because the all powerful God of the universe is also merciful but it's his love that he had for us and not just a little love 
or some good daddy love. Great love that he had for us. Has for us. Church, this is the best news I could share with you. If you're a Christian, be reminded of that. That God loves you. He loves you enough to save you. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're not yet, you've not yet been saved. Let me just say to you, I don't know who told you about God. I don't know what picture of God that Tom and Jerry put into your mind. Y'all didn't know that, right? Go back and watch some of those Tom and Jerry's. There's a lot of devil and God going on in Tom and Jerry cartoons. Terrible theology, really funny show. Um, I don't know what your image of God, if your image of God is an old man on a, a, a heavenly throne shooting lightning bolts at people who sin. Listen, the overarching message of God's word is not that God shoots lightning bolts at those who sin, but that he loves those who even sin. That is who God is. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, I don't know what kind of picture you have in your mind. Wash it and put this one in. God loves you unbelievably today he stands ready to bring to life where there was only death to give you freedom where there was only bondage and kindness where there was only wrath this is what christ has done in my life and stands ready to do it in yours and i plead with you today to consider the love that god has for you to act on it and just to tell you the bible literally tells us how we can act on it Receive these things as gifts from God. It's as simple as repenting, which is a fancy word, repent. It just means to turn from your sin, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. When I'm talking with kids, um, we just call that Jesus' boss, right? Jesus is the new boss of your life. He's the one who tells you what to do. He's the one that calls the shots. That's what it means to make Jesus Lord of your life, to turn from your sin and to follow after Jesus now. But you need God's help with that. Salvation begins by asking God to change your heart to follow after Jesus' rule and not Satan's. Let's repent. The Bible also says to believe. Believe that Jesus really did come to earth. He really did die on the cross, and he really was raised from the dead to right the relationship between God and man. The Bible says that if you repent and believe, you will be saved. Just like I was at seven years old, just like my daughter was, it's like so many people in this room were. You repent and believe you were saved. If that's something you'd like to do today. We just want to help you do it. Well, you don't need a lot of help, but we'd love to do it. We're going to sing one more song here in just a second. Worship team, y'all start heading this way. Um, man, during this last song, just come let me know. Just come and say, hey, man, I want to be saved. Right, don't try to put it in poetic words. Just tell me that. And I want to help you do that. We're going to have counselors by the back door. If it creeps you out to come forward, you can go back and talk to them. Talk to the person beside you. I don't care. But I'd love to talk with you down front too. Today, there is grace for you in the form of life, freedom, and kindness. And here's what you need to know. It's a quick turnaround too because next week we're baptizing. <laughs> you wait till two weeks from now. It's go- it may take us a little while to get the water warm. This, there's no better time to trust in Jesus today because next week we're baptizing and you can join the ranks of the 8 to 10 people that we're already going to be baptizing and you can see, you can begin to live this life. So I'm going to say a word of prayer and they're going to sing this really beautiful song. You guys stand and sing with them after I pray. Um, I'm going to be down front, just standing down here. If you want to come talk to me uh, to be saved, I'd love to talk with you. We'll also have counselors again by the back door. But we just want to help you take this step, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God. That, uh, that in Christ uh, we can be made new and we can ex- receive freedom and that we receive the kindness of God. I'm so thankful, God, that you did that for me. You saved me a long time ago. And, God, you've saved so many people here. Um, but, God, you want to continue to save. Uh, it's your desire that, that all come to repentance and faith in Christ. And so, Father, I pray today, uh, if there's anybody here who just needs to make this decision, God, we've all stepped this aisle. We've all walked these aisles. We've all... Uh, we've all prayed these prayers, God, of salvation. And if there's anybody here who's never has, God, I pray that they would take the same steps I did. Uh, just come talk to somebody. Uh, Father, I pray during this time of response that you'd help us, give us confidence to do what we need to do to take the next steps we need to. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys stand and let's, uh, let's sing together.
just wanna be close to your heart. This is where my healing finds its start. Here is where I find my peace, where my soul is finally free. I'm going all in, in over my head. I'm not scared to get dressed in your love. Wherever you go, God, I will follow. I'm not scared to get lost in your love. church uh they're a little bit different than uh so if you are a christian and you know that uh, i want to speak to you for just a moment uh the bible's clear that we're to believe and then be baptized uh it's what it's, it's believers baptism it's i've trusted in jesus and now i want to follow him in obedience to the waters and so um this coming sunday we're going to be baptizing two adults who are already followers of jesus um one of them was sprinkled as a baby at a different church really really cool that her parents wanted to begin her life in the right way. And so they chose to do that. But here's what you need to understand. That was, that was a symbol of her parents' faith, not a symbol of her faith. And so she grew up and, and she now realizes, I'm a Christian and I need to be baptized because the Bible says that's what I need to do. And so we're going to get to baptize her and her daughter that comes Sunday. And so if you were like her and you were sprinkled as a baby, praise God for your parents. Your parents did that so that now you could be baptized as a believer in Christ. We'd love to talk with you um, about that decision as well. We'd love to talk with you about baptizing you next Sunday. The other adult we're baptizing this week was baptized at a young age, but later realized that his motives were wrong. He had friends that were getting baptized. He, he, He thought it looked cool. He liked to swim. I don't know what it was for him. But like he knew, looking back on it, he, he was when he was baptized, he was not saved. He wasn't a believer. And we call that a dunking. It's not a baptism. That's a whole that's a choke slam underwater. Like that's that's what that that's not a baptism. And so now that he has trusted in Jesus, he knows this is a step he needs to take. And so I'm gonna get to baptize him next Sunday. And so I'm so thankful. There's so many different stories. And so if that's you today and you say, man, I I was baptized as a kid, but I did not trust in Jesus before then. The Bible says believe and then be baptized as a believer. We would love to talk with you. Just confirm with you that you're already a believer and then talk with you about baptism. Coming up next Sunday. I'm telling you, it's the quickest turnaround. Immediate satisfaction, right? We're going to do this next Sunday. And so if, if, if that's you um, and as Kenny's going to p- punch on here in a second in the announcements, the more baptisms we have, the shorter my sermon. So there's some, right? So it's a joke, but what we do, we, we, we just want you to be obedient. I'm not trying to stir anything up emotionally in you. I'm just trying to say, it, don't put it off. If you know you need to be baptized, let's do it. So we're going to sing the rest of the song. This is a celebration of God. And if you want to come talk to our counselors again about either one of those decisions, 
um, just to be baptized, though you may have already done it, um, but not as a believer. We'd love to talk with you about that, or I'll be down front as well, sitting right here on the front row. So let's continue to sing. Let's go. Your power is found in the roughest water. We have no choice but to trust you, Father. trust you, Father. When my every fear has to surrender, I will trust in you forever. Take me there. Take me seat really quick. Amen, worship team. Happy Father's Day, Kyle. Your daughter just killed it. Um, That was good. Amen. Uh, A lot of stuff going on uh, this week, uh, so you be a part of it. Today, if you've got trash painted tickets, we go. Uh, As you know, the last night's game got rained out, so we get to go to two games for free uh, for the price of one. Uh, So we get the second one for free. So if you've got tickets for that, uh, you're welcome to go this afternoon. Uh, this Wednesday night, adults will meet in here. Youth and children will meet in their respective buildings this week, too. Uh, you're going to talk about serving in here. Ladies' night, Saturday night. The youth have something Friday. Uh, and then next Sunday, we have a baptism service. And then after the baptism service, we have food trucks and fireworks in Elkmont. So if you don't have one of these pieces of paper, get you one before you leave. A lot of stuff going on. Be a part of it uh, this week. And last but not least, uh, there's giving. Uh, there's a bucket by the back door. You, there's an online option to give, a text option. You can always mail it in. And like he said, if you still need to talk about baptism, let's highlight something. The more people we have to be baptized, the shorter he's going to preach. <laughs> Kathy, don't believe you. Got it. But anyway, there's that. But sure enough, if you need to talk about that, we're here through the week. Uh, catch us outside. Whatever you need to do, um, just... Please talk to us uh, this week if you if you have a decision to make there. So uh, salvation, anything, put it on the connect card. We'll get in touch with you, uh, whatever you need to do. But let's pray. Y'all have a good week. Father God, thank you again uh, for today, God. God's word uh, just being shared today. God, thank you for the worship team. An amazing job they did today, God. Just be with us as we do have a busy week, God. I pray we stay involved. We invite people, uh, God, and we reach people for you this week. So just be with us. Uh, give us a good week. Keep us safe. You know, I pray. Amen.